I'm going to reveal eight steps that make a business successful and apply them to your personal development. You can learn to play their game. It'll make you prepared for tough times, but more importantly, it could save your ass when a business or client is looking to scale back. Whether we lose a job, a key client, or a big contract, we all find ourselves out of work at some point. At the very least, we find ourselves in that unnerving in-between when you're not quite sure where the next paycheck will come from. It came as a bit of a surprise to hear these words myself, not once but twice this past year. Your role is being disestablished. Can we instead find a way to flip the script and disestablish our total reliance on employers, contracts, or key clients? How do we put backups in place that protect our future? How do we build something of sustainable value with our skills? This is part of an ongoing series on my website, mrjohncain.com. Jump in and subscribe to my free thoughts newsletter. Lots more to come, so let's get into it. I'm not going to lie, it's tough when it happens. And I don't know what's worse. For half of my career, I've been self-employed as a freelancer or running my own businesses. When you're the boss, the process can become drawn out when things are going south. It's only human nature to cling on to something that just isn't working. When employers make us redundant, we feel powerless. And it comes as a bit of a shock. But at least it's short and sharp. It's kind of like ripping off a band-aid quickly. All businesses go through tough times financially. For employers, cost-cutting is unavoidable to survive. And the reality is wages are the biggest cost. My last two employers, they did it with honesty and transparency, so I respect that. I can disagree with a decision, I could put my case forward professionally, but ultimately it's their business. I've also been the one to make my own employees redundant, so I get it. It's tempting to dive straight into finding the next job as well. By all means, start looking, but take a step back and reassess. It'll feel like the clock's ticking louder than it really is, and the inner voice inside is shouting, bills, debt, money, pay, panic. Don't fall for it. If you're fortunate or smart enough to have negotiated decent redundancy payout into your contract, make use of that time wisely. Otherwise, you have to do what we did. Our outgoings are fairly substantial with the house and the kids, so we had to adjust our mortgage repayments, reduce the childcare, daddy daycare right here and we had to cancel a lot of nice to have services just to save some money. This is important. Um, ideally you don't want to have to leave this till it happens so we'll come back to this soon. Let's first explore what we don't want so we know what we do want. There are two types of dead weight in this scenario. A dead weight employee and a dead weight customer. Rushing to find something that's not right for you comes with some warning bells. It quickly leads to job dissatisfaction and that shit's hard to hide. Next thing you know, you're front of the line for the chopping block again. And so begins a vicious cycle. We all know it, some larger employers use redundancy as a way to restructure and discard the dead weight. Don't be a dead weight employee. Likewise, if you're a business, a business owner, trying to panic sell your way out of tough times, 
you set yourself up for a drawn out death by a thousand paper cuts. The common mistake is non-strategic price cutting to try and win new customers. If you end up with customers who expect to pay less, they will never pay more. The one thing worse than having no customers is having dead weight customers. The only way to avoid dead weight is adding value, and that starts with you. Adding value is nothing new in the business world, but as individuals we get so caught up in the day-to-day -day of running our own lives that we forget to keep building value in ourselves. A value-add proposition are features of a product or service that add worth beyond the basic functionality. It goes beyond what our competitors offer. It makes a product or service more attractive to customers. Now let's reframe that to ourselves. A value-add proposition are characteristics of a person that add worth beyond their basic functionality. It goes beyond what their competitors offer. It makes a person more valued to customers and colleagues. Identify your unique selling points, your USPs, and expand on those. In business, that should be your value-added proposition, not your price. But we all have our personal USPs too. This could be a combination of your professional skills, your personal experiences, or even your approach to problem solving. Update your resume regularly as well, even when you're not actively looking for a job. It really helps to focus on your USPs. Start by listing your strengths, your skills, think about what you're good at and what comes naturally to you. This might include soft skills like leadership, communication or creativity, as well as hard skills and technical abilities. If you haven't done a personality test before, it can be a valuable insight into who you are. I've put a link to the free test I used in the description or at the end of this article if you're watching on my website. I'm personally a protagonist ENFJ-A, which explains why I do all of this. Make your own chat GPT app. I mean, seriously, this is really worth doing. Take your resume and the results of that personality test and create a custom GPT app with those documents uploaded as the source data. Set it to private, of course, and then chat with the app to ask questions like, what are my key USPs based on my experience and personality traits? Trust me, this is way more fun than just Googling your own name. In the business world, innovation is key to maintaining a value-added proposition. That doesn't always mean major new product releases, but just small iterative improvements. This earns loyalty in spades. Just think about the software you use and how much you appreciate even just little updates. Not just to squash bugs, but to add useful functionality. When it shows the business is listening to user feedback, the customer just feels more valued. In personal development, continually updating your knowledge and skills is crucial. This could involve staying abreast of the latest trends in your own field, learning new technologies or developing new skills that are just in demand. Businesses add value by solving problems for their customers. In your personal and professional life, focus on being a solution provider. This means not just having a set of skills, but also knowing how to apply them in practical problem-solving scenarios. A common mistake is identifying a problem and communicating it before you've come up with possible solutions. 
always bring solutions to the table at the same time. It doesn't matter if they're the right solutions, it just shows that you're being proactive. I can't stress enough the power of solution mindsets. It's the secret source to everything. Businesses use branding to create a unique identity. In the same way, developing a personal brand can help you to really stand out. Sometimes these are interlinked if you're the founder. The secret to branding is consistency. From the soft skills to how you interact with people to how you showcase your unique skills and experiences, this is a bigger topic. I'll be talking about it a lot more soon, but finding your core messaging pillars and weaving them repeatedly through everything you do is how your brand becomes recognizable. This could be through social media, professional networking sites like LinkedIn, uh, blogging or even speaking engagements. But don't assume this is just a work time thing. The most important part of personal branding is what you do outside of your work time. It does take some dedication, but start simple by committing at least 30 extra minutes a day before or after work. Just start commenting on other people's posts on LinkedIn. Comment on you know, posts by people you know through your work or your industry. This next point follows on somewhat from personal branding. So just like businesses collaborate and network to enhance their value, building a strong personal and professional network can add immense value to your skill set. This network can provide support, advice, opportunities for collaboration and exposure to new ideas and practices. Find local in-person meetups or seminars being held for your industry. Um, while digital networking is powerful, you still can't beat the connections you form with people in real life. If you're not using LinkedIn already for developing your professional network, start now. For years, my profile lay really dormant, but last year I went to a professional development session around personal branding with LinkedIn, and it totally opened my eyes. As a marketer, I was kind of shocked I hadn't used it already. I highly recommend starting a personal chat group on WhatsApp, Telegram, or whatever app you prefer. Add a bunch of friends and name the group something like brainstorming ideas. Make it somewhere you can just throw crazy ideas into the ring uh, and just get honest feedback. In the Web3 world, this became second nature. Out of the COVID pandemic, we all came together on Clubhouse voice chat rooms, and then it moved to Twitter, Twitter Spaces, and then to Telegram. But those groups of like-minded people who just wanted to learn new technology and explore new opportunities uh, became an invaluable uh, way to connect. And so many opportunities came out of those as well. Businesses thrive on customer feedback to improve their offerings, but it's just as important to seek this for ourselves too. This might be asking for more frequent and useful feedback on your performance at work, or getting honest opinions from friends and family on something like your personal website. Being adaptable to change really enhances your personal development. Being open to constructive criticism shows a commitment to growth and to improvement. When you have friends and family only giving positive feedback, it doesn't really help you to grow. In fact, it holds you back. Make it clear that you want constructive criticism and use it as an opportunity to take it gracefully. If you can handle taking constructive criticism from family where emotions are typically more defensive, then you can take it from anyone. If an extended break 
isn't financially feasible. It's a sign to examine your own finances. Why don't you have a safety net? Analyze your expenditures and start budgeting. Cut back on non-essentials to buy yourself more time. Time to focus on both self-improvement and job hunting without the undue stress. So tackle these five basics as part of your financial reality check. Firstly, assess and prioritize your expenses. Start by listing all your monthly expenses. This includes rent or mortgage, utilities, groceries, subscriptions, and any other recurring costs. Once you have this list, prioritize them based on necessity. The essentials like housing, food, and healthcare should be at the top, while non-essentials like subscriptions or luxury expenses, they probably should be cut down or eliminated. With your expenses sorted, the next step is to create a budget. Allocate a specific amount to each of your essential expenses. Be realistic and be strict about the amounts you set for discretionary spending. The goal is to live within your means while saving as much as possible during this period, during this time out. Evaluate your emergency fund. Ideally, this should cover three to six months of living expenses. If you don't have an emergency fund or if it's insufficient, part of your budgeting plan should include building or replenishing this fund. Lastly, think about alternative income streams. Now, this could be anything from freelancing, part-time work, or just selling items you no longer need. These activities not only provide additional income, but can also be enriching and add to your skill set during the job hunting period. Remember, the goal of the financial reality check is not just to survive through a redundancy phase or in between contracts, but to emerge financially smarter and more resilient. Back to the main points now. A business's value proposition is often aligned with its core values and long-term goals. Aligning goals to enhance your skills with your personal values and career goals ensures that your development is not just about acquiring random skills, but about building a cohesive and fulfilling career path. Ask yourself these two questions. What part of your work has given you the most satisfaction? What skill have you struggled with the most? Satisfaction is your starting point. It's a foundation to grow from, and it's a core pillar of your personal values. Don't be confused with happy. That usually leads us to external influences like the people that you work with, a good boss, a great team, a lovely office with flexible work from home policy. Those are important, but not for this exercise. The satisfaction we're looking for is that feeling you got from previous roles. That feeling where you achieved something. In my case, it was writing with purpose. For my wife, for example, as a sales-orientated category manager, it's more about exceeding targets using a strategy that she's had to really push for. This is something that you already do well. The struggle is something that you know you'd be good at, but you've not had the opportunity to prove it yet. You may have had exposure to this skill set or worked alongside others that are doing it, but now you want to own it. For me, that's been digital growth marketing. I've spent a lot of time in my career on larger campaigns like marketing for CPG or FMCG, mainly on physical products. 
Digital marketing was of course part of that, but usually handled by agency partners. I wanted to get more hands-on with this skill set, hence what I do now. Satisfaction plus struggle plus practice equals growth. Now take these two and tell me how they relate. How can you use A as a base on which to put B? To put it into practice. Practice is the activating ingredient, a bit like pepper is for turmeric. For me, it results in exactly what you're reading now. Taking my love of writing and exploring it. That's the read. Get better at consistent content growth marketing. That's the write. Start a newsletter, blog, and build digital products that I can market. That's the execution. Read, write, and execute. If you've followed my other articles so far, you'll be seeing this pattern starting to emerge, this three-step equation. It follows the read, write, execute, uh, an operating system to really implement change. From now on, when a process falls into that, I'll be adding the RWX. Anyway, that's it for today. I hope this has really added value for you to learn how to add value back for yourself. Until next time, let's go.